Do you find yourself getting anxious about your future? Caught up in all the worries of your tomorrow? Well, you'll be glad to know scripture gives direction on how to balance those concerns in prayer. We'll learn about that and more as we continue our study of the Lord's Prayer on today's Gems of Grace. Thank you for joining us for today's Gems of Grace. I am Wade Seelong. For the past few weeks, we have been learning how to become more effective in our prayer lives and using the prayer that goes by the Lord's Prayer, which also goes by the Disciples' Prayer or the Model Prayer. Today, we want to continue that study as we break down more of that prayer. The New Living Translation quotes Matthew 6:11 like this. Give us today the food we need. That can be translated either as give us the food we need for today or give us the food we need for tomorrow. Clark's commentary captures the thoughts of one theologian who notes travelers of the East were known for saving a part of their breakfast or dinner for the next day. The problem was it wasn't enough to cover the entire day. This led the travelers to be wholly dependent on God's providence for what they needed to sustain them from day to day. It's also believed that bread wasn't only referring to physical food, but to nourishments of all kinds, spiritual and food for the soul as well. It was also important to the forefathers of the faith that we depend daily on God. Thus, we were only permitted to ask for that which was immediately needful. Therefore, they were, and in turn, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, are asking for God to give us what we need to survive only for the immediate future. There are several ways in which relying on God daily can help us to make our prayer lives more effective, and I'd like to discuss a few of them. One, eliminating the concern for beyond today decreases anxieties for the future. Less worry equals more faith. Now, if you're anything like me, you struggle with looking down the telescope of life into the distant tomorrows and getting stuck dwelling on future cares and concerns. It's a chronic problem for me that often lands me in a pool of despair, helplessness and depression. There's normally a trigger. For instance, someone will pass away and I'll mourn them. Once I start to process this grief, well, I'll start thinking into the future and wondering how I'll deal with the passing of a loved one down the line. I must pause briefly to say this is usually where I begin to see the enemy's hand, because not once have I ever been through a loss. And trust me, there's been some rough ones, but not once have I ever been through a loss and God not bring me through. By the time I process all the possibilities, I return thinking, wait, it could be me who goes first. Then, of course, I face the temptations torturing myself with the winds and howls of that. And will it hurt? How will my loved ones take it? Etc. Trust me when I say this is no place for a child of God's mind to dwell. I'll have more about processing grief a few weeks down the line when we begin our series on grief. But I wanted to share that today because today's text is one of the verses I typically use to come out of this type of funk. 
Today's verse centers focus on today. It takes our focus from whatever come what may tomorrow and from whatever did not happen right last time. And it sticks a smack dab in the middle of where our current assignment is. The only place where we can do anything about today. I'll sidebar and say staying mentally out of our past and whatever we perceive the future to be can sometimes be a very difficult thing to do. But avoiding these places, we can do nothing about. Places that I refer to as God's no-fly zones are the only ways to keep ourselves mentally sound for our provision is in today. These places rarely have peace and very little understanding. They are beyond our God-given capacity to handle, and they rob us from the very best God has in store for us today. When we leave today and dwell outside of it, not only do we damage our trust in him, but we remove our focuses from the only place we can be effective today. I believe Satan thrives on this because he, an experienced foe, lives in the spiritual realm. I believe he comes to remove our focus just when he knows God would have us to be focused the most. Today is the place where we can affect eternity where we can find peace. And I would bet it's in living in this present that the building blocks are made for handling any realities associated with our anxieties for the future. Also, relying on God daily requires us to return soon in order to connect with God again. I have a confession to make. I tend to pray more and draw more into God based on how I feel I need him at the time. In times of great struggle, loss, or warfare, I don't usually have to be convinced, coaxed, or prodded a bit into praise, prayer, worship, praying, or Bible reading. The same goes for when I'm in serious need. It's on these so-called fair weather days when I tend to slack off. These are the days when I try to live off yesterday and forget the morning-by-morning new mercies I see that Lamentations 3 talks about. These days cause me to forget the early will I seek you that Psalm 63 talks about as well. Let's try an exercise. You'll need a free hand for this, so I'll give you a second. Now, if you have your free hand, place it on your chest where you feel your heartbeat. Now, place it in front of your nostrils or in front of your mouth where you can feel your breath. Good. The problem with us on fair weather days is we tend to take things like that for granted. We forget air as a result of divine provision. Just the fact that you can hear me right now, it's divine provision. I'm reading my notes as I deliver this message to you due to divine provision. God gave me eyes, then he gave me vision. Sure, I may need some corrective lenses to help, but He provided the job with the insurance and then gave me the legs to walk into the optical store. If we listen momentarily, it sounds funny, but if we think about it, it's divine provision. And that's why we need to return again to him soon. We're not praying to educate the God of wonders, but when we say thank you to him, It's then that our hearts and souls are reminded that nothing we benefit from has to be except for divine provision. I've seen children with AIDS and HIV 
whose parents have both died from the disease. And I marvel at the joy for life that many of them have. They've got to be hurting. But maybe when you have had so much taken away, you learn to cherish that which is still there because you learn all that's left is due to divine provision. Relying on God daily can result in less worry, thereby more faith. It requires us to return soon to connect with him again. It also creates a pattern of daily dependence, which allows us to exercise the muscles of our faith frequently. I'll say that again. Relying on God daily creates a pattern of daily dependence, which allows us to exercise the muscles of our faith frequently. Ask anyone who's ever been great at anything, and they will tell you about the rudiments that led to their success. They might not use that exact verbiage. They may talk about patterns or disciplines or a continuous structured way of doing things that they stick to or are sticking to throughout the process of achievement. A great athlete will tell you about their diet and their exercise and how they have to maintain it in order for their performance to not slip off. A great musician will talk of the hours upon hours of practice that go into staying on top of their game. If you and I are to be great practitioners of our faith and great at prayer in particular, these are the same principles we must apply. Now, obviously, our practice is not for performance, or at least it shouldn't be. But the same level of practice goes into attaining the same type of results in our faith lives as the musician or the athlete does in their fields. The problem with grace, and I say that artistically and with a purpose, is our lack of performance doesn't yield eternal expulsion. The athlete and the performer lives with the understanding that his or her next performance could always be their last. They're always one bad show, one injury, one ambitious contender to their title or their ranking from being a has-been. They live with an eternal clock that's always ticking, an inner knowing, if you will, that they won't always be on top. So they had better do everything right now to maximize the opportunity for now. The problem with grace, if I can say that one more time, is that it causes our Christianity to have no sales quota. Ask the salesperson what happens after just a few bad weeks, after just a while of poor performance. They'll soon be a former salesperson. But the great thing about grace is no matter how many times we play a bad note in our lives, it's always there to pick us up and dust us off and prepare us for the next recital. The awesome thing about grace is no matter how many tackles we miss or interceptions we throw or game-winning shots we miss in our lives, it's always there to counsel us, to talk about where we went wrong, and to give us strategy for doing better next time. The phenomenal thing about grace is through the person of Jesus Christ, we could never be a has-been. We're never forgotten. We're never a no-name. Because we are always fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the Almighty God. His plans and his thoughts of and for us are always good and not of evil. To give us hope, a future, and an expected end. 
The perfect thing about the grace of Jesus Christ is no matter how many sales opportunities we botch in our lives, we don't have to worry about our eternities if we remain in Christ. For our forevers have been sealed and our statuses as children of the Most High God have been bought for and paid for with a currency that's sovereign over any economy. It's the precious blood of Jesus, our eternal Redeemer. And I don't want to stop right there, but I have to. Please drop us a line on Twitter or Instagram at GE Missions. We can't wait to hear from you. Four Gems of Grace, I am Wade C. Long.